Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. When there's a path before me, And it looks like I should go this way, and it looks like I should go that way. Sometimes I get confused. I go back to the book of James. It says, ask for wisdom, and don't doubt, don't waver. This is the way I operate in my life. If I don't have the peace of God, I stay where I'm at. Notice what this verse says. I will wait for the Lord. Some of you are trying to make a decision. You don't have peace yet. I think the Lord is saying to you, wait. When he gives you peace, then you move out. The world today is in a hurry. Hurry to the next fad, to the next job, to the next spouse. It doesn't seem to want to take the time to let relationships develop, to bail on them rather than to work through the rough spots. Christ followers can be tempted to join this mindset. You've probably seen the results. Pastor Mark's teaching today will talk about the Christians in the book of Hebrews. They were tempted to go back to their old ways of living. The writer of the book will be giving them good reasons to hold fast. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 2 as he continues his message, Jesus' Present Ministry. And I think the writer of the Hebrews probably kind of got them together and started working for it. Celebrate. We win. Our souls are saved. We're sons and daughters of God. I mean, like, hello, how good does it have to get? It's amazing. Now, because of that, Colossians 3 says this. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. Why? For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Here's a word I want you to say at the end of that. Celebrate. Very good. Amen. Where did amen come? Celebrate. Let's say it together. Celebrate. Hallelujah. Think about that. Good. Verse 12. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers. In the presence of the congregation, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here I am in the children God has given me. In these next few verses, there from Isaiah and all over different parts of the Old Testament, again, This writer is validating the Old Testament. How important was that for these Jewish people? Very important. How important is it for us? 
to know that the old and the new go together. It's God's word. It never, ever is void. Now, Isaiah 8.17 says this, I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. I will put my trust in him. You see, while Jesus was on this earth, as a man, he had to put his trust in God. Jesus, when he came to earth, he didn't operate with his divine powers. He operated in total subjection to the Father. Why? As an example for you, an example to me. Not my will, Jesus said, but your will. Jesus would say to his disciples, I don't do anything unless the Father tells me. As a man, he operated under the authority of the Father. That's, he had to trust him. Can you imagine that morning? I don't know what you're in Jesus' mind. They're heading back north, and God says to Jesus in, his, in their devotion time, Son, you're going to Samaria today. God, uh, we don't go to Samaria. We go around Samaria. No, you're going to Samaria today. Okay, God, I trust you. He had to trust him. Do you know he had to trust him in the Garden of Gethsemane? What did Jesus ask the Father? Is there another way? The Father said, no, there is another way. What did he have to do? He had to trust him. He had to have faith in him. That's what I think you and I need to understand in all our ways. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. When I was reading this, Isaiah eight seventeen, I think this is a word for a few people here. And maybe even by the internet. Let me just list this first part of you. I will wait for the Lord. I've learned this in my life. When there's a path before me, and it looks like I should go this way, and it looks like I should go that way, sometimes I get confused. I go back to the book of James. It says, ask for wisdom, and don't doubt, don't waver. This is the way I operate in my life. If I don't have the peace of God, I stay where I'm at. Notice what this verse says. I will wait for the Lord. Some of you are trying to make a decision. You don't have peace yet. I think the Lord is saying to you, wait. When he gives you peace, then you move out. Wait, wait on the Lord. Verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And free those. I want you to circle two words in these verses. Notice up there, destroy him. And then I want you to circle free those. He would free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their This is very important, just underline this, by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. Now, this is another direct key to those Jews who were confused about angels. 
Angels were not the objects of God's grace. God sent Jesus to die for people. Now, in case you think, well, Steve's here tonight and God only sent Jesus for Abraham's descendants, Jewish people. We're all descendants from Abraham. Sorry, Steve. So we all can have and receive God's grace. Now, remember Billy Graham said this many years ago. Without Christ, people are empty, lonely, guilty, and what's the last one? Afraid of death. Well, what does this say? This says he came to destroy the works of the enemy, free people from the slavery of sin, and one of the great fears people had was the fear of death. Do you know how many people live with the fear of death? But for a Christian, the fear of death has to be an oxymoron. Now, let me clarify that. Everyone is fearful of dying. None of us look forward to the different ways we see people dying. We're kind of fearful of that because there's pain and suffering. You saw this on the news last night. As you see this disaster, the plane going in and how many, five, I think people died, right? Something like that. I mean, nobody wants that. We're fearful of how in the world you die. And then I saw this in the news this morning. I think this guy needs a little fear, this next person. Did you see this guy? I mean, he flew 193 miles in this balloon chair. I'm thinking, is he all together there? But think of this. It's normal to have a fear of dying. Why? Because we kind of don't know how that's going to happen. I remember I used to visit my grandpa, Grandpa Shank. He was a minister. And when I was younger, I'd visit him, and I never did, I still want to this day, but it was okay. He would get up like at 5.30 in the morning, and we would visit at the house, and I'd go out, and I'd find my grandpa's been out in his chair reading the Bible for a couple hours before he started his day. Praying to God. He'd always have a cup of hot water. That was, he called it, his constitutional for the day. You know, a little kid, I'm thinking, hot water? And then one day I heard the news. My grandpa Shank died. You know how he died? In his chair, having his devotional. His wife went in, and he'd just gone to be with the Lord. Now, If I could choose, don't laugh at me. If you could choose, would you choose that way? Either that or just lay down for sleep one night and the next thing you do is wake up in in heaven. But we can't choose. We don't know how it will be. It doesn't always happen that way. Didn't happen that way for Jesus. Didn't happen that way for any of the apostles. So we have fear of dying But we should never have fear of death. Why? Because death has been defeated. This is point number three. Jesus' humanity permitted him to disarm Satan and to deliver mankind from eternal death. 
You see, Satan used to have all of us enslaved by sin. He was a terrible master. And eventually we knew his goal. We didn't then. Was to steal, kill, and destroy. Many of our friends and relatives are enslaved to the devil in so many ways that there's no way for them to break free. Back in the Garden of Eden, God promised Adam and Eve that Satan would be defeated. He would finally break that hole that he had had on man. And the effects of sin would be reversed. Well, we know who that was. He promised a Savior born through a woman who would come to this earth as a man and God and destroy Satan's power. That's what you just read. That's what happened. Christ's death defeated Satan and took the sting and the penalty out of death. So as a Christian, we all have a little fear of dying, but we should never have the fear of death. Keep your finger there. Turn back quickly to 1 Corinthians 15. You know the verse. When Jesus Christ came to this earth, he took away the fear of death. If we put our faith in him as our Savior, we don't need to look upon death as an enemy. It's not. It's actually part of our life. It's going to happen. Now I don't fear it. Because I'm going to be with the Lord. Look what Paul says in verse 55, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 55. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. There could be a C word in there somewhere. Celebrate. Thanks be to God. Man, we can celebrate. Why? He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. See, we don't live life in the fear of death any longer. It's gone. Death is actually just, well, it's the next stage that all of us are going to go through. We're just going to die, but we're going to be absent from the body Praise God, present with the Lord. Now back to Hebrews. How did this sacrifice take away our sins? How did this dominion happen? Well, we see in Hebrews 2.17, and we're almost through. Look at this. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way. In order that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. And that he might make, circle this word, atonement for the sins of the people. Jesus came to this earth as a man to become like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could become a high priest for us. Jesus became like us in absolutely every way except one. Jesus who wasn't born with a sinful nature. Remember, he was fully man, but also fully God. He lived his life without sinning. He's the only man that ever did that. So Jesus functioned as our high priest. He atoned for our sins. Holy God cannot overlook sin. So Jesus offered himself as the 
sinless sacrifice. One of the things you'll see in liberal doctrine is that Jesus sinned. No, he did not sin. He never sinned. He was the sinless sacrifice. He willingly died in our place. So Jesus' death on the cross wiped out our sin and the grip that it had on our lives, including the fear of death. And when we consider what he's done for us, the logical thing to do is to commit ourselves to be a follower of Christ. I'm released from the dominion that sin has over me. That's what Paul of the chapter of Romans 6, 7, and 8 talk about it. Who's going to deliver me from this disaster? Well, the person is Jesus Christ. And understand, atonement is just another word you can think about this. At one with God. Atonement. At one with God. How can I be one with God? Because God doesn't look on sin. I'm not sin. I'm the righteousness of God. I have a relationship with God. Now, Romans 5.17 says it very quickly. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, kind of like we showed before. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death. If you've received it, you can live triumphantly over sin. You don't have to give in to sin. You'll see why in a moment. And you don't have to be afraid of death tonight. You can have the victory over that. And how does that happen? Through Calvary Chapel. Notice what it says. Through this one man, Jesus Christ. Now there's where an amen goes somewhere. There's where an amen goes. All right. Verse 18. Last verse. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Here's the fourth thing for you to write. Jesus' humanity enabled him to bring us victory When we are tempted. Notice when Jesus came to this earth, he was tempted. He was tempted because he came as a man. And the people that the writer of Hebrews is writing to are being tempted. They're thinking, man, we're going to get persecuted. We're going back at least to Judaism. Or maybe we're going to chuck this whole thing because we're going to suffer at the persecution of the Romans. So the writer says, well, well, wait, wait a minute. This Jesus you believed in, let's think about him for a moment. He suffered pain and temptations just like you did. He was tested in his body, in his mind, his emotions, just like you are, Hebrews. But he's victorious. And think about that. We know that Jesus was tempted by Satan. Satan, in fact, said to him, "Uh, you can forego going to the cross. You want the authority back for the earth? Now, this is a very important point. You want the authority back from the earth? I can show you how to get it. Just bow down to me. I'll give it back to you. So that shows us that Satan has the authority. He says, you don't need to go. Satan didn't want Jesus going to the cross. Why? Because he knew he'd be defeated on the cross, as he was. Now, 
This is very important. I'm just going to say this very quickly to you. It's nice to go into a place and say to an individual, you're being tempted. You're in a very difficult situation or a trial or a temptation, and I want to pray for you. I like that. I like people praying for me. But it's a lot better, like I did Sunday night, and like a lot of you do. Somebody called and said, I'm undergoing bypass surgery. They come to this church. Now, I've undergone bypass. Pastor Dean's undergone. And many of you are part of the zipper club. You're part of that zipper club. So when I went to that hospital room, there was fear before I went. And then I said to him, you know what, Hoyle? It's going to be okay. God's going to be in there with the surgeon. Surgeon's going to be under the hands of God. And your times are in God's hands. He's 82. And as I prayed for he and his wife, I could just feel, as Pastor Dean mentioned today, he had another situation just like it that he prayed for somebody. You could just see the peace of God come over him. See, Jesus is not only saying, listen, I was tempted So I kind of know what you're thinking about. He was tempted in every way we are. But not just that. See, I couldn't do anything but prayer. Prayer is very important. But Jesus says, I can help you. I not only know what you're going through, but I can help you overcome the temptation. Now there's a place there for celebrate somewhere. So when I'm tempted, I don't only have a God who feels what I'm going through, but He offers me a road away from the temptation through the power of Jesus Christ. So I don't have to be defeated. That's very different than a nice prayer for someone. We all need that. But I have a God tonight that helps. And I want to end with this. I thought about it a lot over the last three days. Remember how I started Chesterton? His opening statement is very true. It simply says this. It's coming. Whatever is or is not true about men, this one thing is certain. Man is not what he was meant to be. That is very true. But guys, there's a day we're going to be what God wanted us to be. Look what it says, 1 John 3. Dear friends, we are already God's children. But he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him. For we, we will see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as he is pure. One day, we're going to be like our Lord. Now, what's going to cause us to be like that? Death. So, don't have the fear of death tonight. Because then, I'm going to see him as he is, and I'm going to be like him. No more sin. No more pain. No more death. That day's coming because our high priest is on the throne. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark taught about why you can celebrate. You learned about the awesome things that Jesus has done for you in his redeeming you. You were challenged to think about a different aspect of Jesus. As a pioneer, you were reminded about his redemptive work, what it means for you, and how you need to follow his trailblazing example. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. 
Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. This brings us to the end of Pastor Mark's teaching, Jesus' Present Ministry. Next time, he'll begin his message, We Are God's House. You'll learn more about the thinking process of the persecuted Jewish believers in Hebrews. You'll find out what they thought about Moses and how they had to understand that Jesus was greater than even Moses. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Here